Welcome back to Jessica and Carla's High School Reunion. Today's guest is Peter Kelleher. We've got great stories for you. From Peter's younger years when he was living all over the world and hopping from job to job, to the last decade or so in Montana, working at an engineering firm, doing a lot of soul searching and service at Al-Anon, playing basketball, and developing a tiny home community. Peter is married to Jessica, who he met on the second day of college, and they have two children, Ellis and Georgia. He talks several times a week with his twin brother, Daniel, and has already offered to organize games for all the 89ers to play at the reunion next year. We hope you enjoy this moving and frequently hilarious conversation, and don't miss Peter's advice to his younger self towards the end of the flash round. Thanks for listening. Well, I was supposed to go up and see my parents today and I just canceled on them. I feel badly about it, but I just like have got to get stuff done. Piper's birthday is Sunday. She's having a bunch of friends over on Saturday. I had to go and do a little holiday, like holiday and birthday shopping for her yesterday. So that took up a couple of hours of my day. Mm -hmm. I have like proposals to do. I just, I just am like, I... And then I'm going to DC on Monday and Tuesday for work. And then I come back and then it gets a little bit easier. We're having a big holiday party next weekend. So oh my God. yeah, I feel totally crazy. And it's December 1st and I haven't gotten the advent calendar out yet. What, what about the elf? <laughs> elf? Elf is staying in the bin this year. Yeah. Elf in the box. You're done. Elf in the box. <laughs> I have been feeling oh similarly hectic this week and actually for a few weeks now. And I keep operating under the delusion that it's going to get better miraculously. And mm -hmm. I've come to realize that I'm going to just have to be ruthless in ignoring things that I can and I hate that because some of those things are things I enjoy, but you know, it's just, it seems like it's a season for prioritizing and um, no one's going to do that for me. I got to actually wrangle my own calendar. Well, today we are going to change up some of these flash round questions at the end. And I'm excited. Me too. This is a response to listener feedback, as well as I think our own, uh, you know, we got, we got to keep it, keep it spicy for us. There are other things we're curious about. <laughs> totally, totally. And we have a really fabulous uh, classmate on uh, today. Mm -hmm. Peter Kelleher reached out to us and volunteered himself. Yep. I'm really excited to talk to him. Me too. Now, I, I of course, knew Peter and his twin brother, Daniel, when we were in high school, but I wasn't particularly close with either of them, um, mm -hmm. although I was pretty good friends with um, the Corraleños in general. Um, mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I certainly felt a lot of fondness for both of them. And I had the opportunity to work really closely with Peter in Fort Worth after we graduated from college. He and Daniel both came down for the summer and spent, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, probably 10, 12 weeks working at 
Summer Bridge, Fort Worth, now Breakthrough Fort Worth. And they were phenomenal coaches to our younger teachers and added so much hilarity and just generosity of spirit. They're such warm Mm -hmm. and smart um, people. And Peter in particular is just super um, engaging. And so I'm excited to hear what he's been up to since then. I I don't think I've spent more than an hour in his company since that summer, which would have been, mm-hmm. gosh, in 1996, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think in 95, maybe. Because I think I was there in 94, and they were there the summer after in 95. That, that so I sounds think that's right. probably right. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, you um, remember about I, Peter. Well, I mean, I had Daniel in my section, so I knew Daniel a little, in eighth grade. So I knew Daniel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And I think I actually had just fundamentally more classes with Daniel over the years. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know Peter as well um, as we kind of moved in through high school. But, you know, we all belonged to the tennis club, too. So I sort of knew them a little bit from TCA. And then also, um, you know, it was always like, a little bit of, uh, you know, th- that whole group, the Cordelanos, plus I think the Kellehers as a family, they were they were kind of a big group, mm-hmm. you know, and they they kind of had this. I, I don't want to say like a mythology about mm-hmm. them, but you know, as a, someone who was mostly an only child most of my life, and then um, I eventually had a younger brother, but much younger than me. These big families, there was something kind of like. Uh, I don't know, exciting and alluring about them and the Kelleher family, which is not just their family, but like extended cousins and et cetera, I think always had a little bit of an allure for me. I was always interested in those big families and um, they just seem to be kind of a, a group. Yeah. <laughs> a clan. Absolutely. A clan. Absolutely. Get what you're saying there. Can yeah. I remember being somewhat in awe of their mom? Gretchen, mm-hmm. her name is, mm-hmm. and, and partly because I remember Matt and Chris, Matt Greenberg and Chris Travis being like, ooh, well, what will Gretchen say about <laughs> whatever <laughs> shenanigans they were up to? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's really cool. And, and, I, and I do remember a lot of my high school life trying to figure out which Kelleher I was talking to. <laughs> um, I wasn't always sure, and... I want to say Daniel was in my high school English class and I wondered every once in a while if maybe it was actually Peter in my class at times. But I think I got to know them both. I kind of got reconnected with them when we did the the community service plays because they were in both of them (laughs) and they also lent much hilarity to those as well. Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Perfect. I mean, not to typecast them. (laughs) Oh, that is great. And then I don't remember, were they wizards in many moons as well? I don't remember what they played, but they were in that. They were participants in the scavenger hunts and they, um, I feel like they have also been involved in our reunions at bringing us the trivia. (laughs) <laughs> that's probably the case 
I mean, one thing I will say for Peter is that when he commits to something, he goes all in. The, the, the musicals were a good example of that. Um, but he just is not afraid to just dive in and put his whole self into something. And it, it makes being with him so much fun. I think it loosens everyone else up as well. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing what he's got going on these days. I, is he living in Montana? I believe he's in Montana. He's been there for many, many years because mm-hmm. his wife, I believe, mm-hmm. is from there. Here's something I know. His wife's name is Jessica. Oh, perfect. Of course I'd remember that. Because <laughs> it relates to me. That's good. That's good. Yeah, well, I'm excited to hear from him. And, um, you know, I, I guess in my brain, I just always made this assumption that, like, for some reason, I really did picture the Kelleher, both of them coming back to New Mexico because there was such a strong tie mm-hmm. for them mm-hmm. with such a big family. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I could have pinpointed anyone or sort of said, these are the people who are going to be back in Albuquerque, I think Daniel and Peter would have been two that I would have predicted, but neither of them ended up there. Mm-hmm. They've both gone on to actually be quite a big distance from each other mm-hmm. and from New Mexico. So mm-hmm. I'm also curious if they get back and, and if they still feel super close and, and tied to their to their families yeah. back there. And Corrales. Hey! Coming to you live from Missoula, Montana. Gosh, How's it going, Missoula! Yay! Oh, it's so great to see you. Right before you came on, Peter, we were talking about how you, you had such a large family in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of thinking that you and Daniel might migrate back there at some point, drawn by the family. But maybe it's the opposite effect. There's so many of them there. You're like, I don't need to be hanging out here anymore with you all. Yeah. You know, it's certainly a, um, well, it is a a draw. It's an attraction. It's it's nice to be there. Um, But I think just life circumstances are such that I I don't think I'll be moving back there. Mm -hmm. But I am planning to go often. And actually with my work, um, I've run an engineering firm and we've got uh, Albuquerque's on our site. So I think there's a good chance we'll acquire a firm there and and uh, I'll probably be very involved in setting that up. Awesome. So let's jump in. What do you say? You ready? Are you ready? Is everyone ready? I'm ready. Okay. Well, I'll go ahead and kick us off. Peter Kelleher, it is so great to have you on Jessica and Carla's high school reunion. Our class reunion is less than a year away. We'll be celebrating 35 years um, uh, of our as a of our high school graduation. And so we always start this podcast with the same question, and you probably know what it is, but what have you been doing for the last 35 years? <laughs> Oh, simple question. Simple question. Well, I'll start off by throwing in one piece, and that's that I got married back 25 years ago uh, to a woman that I met on day number two of college. And she was convinced there is no way in heck I'm going to fall for some guy that I met on day number two. It was freshman orientation. Classes hadn't even started yet. Her last name was Walker. And um, 
nine years later, we got married. Initially, being egalitarian and really just following her direction or whatever, um, I adopted her last name as my middle name, and she took my last name as her middle name, and it was just confusing. But we we changed documents and stuff. And then, so I was Peter Walker, middle name Kelleher, and she was Jessica Kelleher Walker. And then our daughter was born a few years later. And it's like, what do we name her? And um, so it's like Georgia Walker hyphen Kelleher. And so at that point, we became united in uh, in our last name, Walker hyphen Kelleher. And although it's been a mouthful, it's also um, been really cool as just there's this subset, right, of the Walker family, the Kelleher family. And it's as far as I know, we're the only four in the world that are Walker Kellers. Very easily to uh, to find us on the internet as a result. Um, but there's this sense of a tribal subset. That's our four family of four. So Jessica, my wife, her spouse, Ellis, who's uh, 17, living in East Africa in Tanzania, and my uh, daughter, Georgia, 21, she's a sophomore in college. So yeah, go for it. Wait a second. Wait a second. I'm just noticing. Wait, you have an Ellis and a Jessica. Yeah, and I in your family. And I have a Jessica and an Ellis. My twenty. My well, well my son. Will I be did recall that Jessica week. that we both had Ellis's, <laughs> and I guess uh, certainly we cannot blame you for picking after our Ellis because your Ellis came first. So. <laughs> I'm really, I think it was very practical of you all to decide on Walker Kelleher, or you could have decided on Kelleher Walker, but if you had tried to hyphenate the two parents' last names at the time of your children's birth, they would have been Ellis Walker <laughs> Kelleher Kelleher Walker. Yeah, I'm really glad for their sake that we, we saved that. Yeah, good point. That would have been a lot. But my question is, There's what good. do your kids There's do good. I don't if know. they That's get their married? Problem, Carla. And what if they problem. marry someone with a hyphenated name? <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see. Yeah, for sure. We're just going to hold them capable to figure that out. That's right. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. Okay. I love it. So take us back to your leaving college. You and Jessica dated the whole your whole college experience. Went to Swarthmore College. I was there for a year, and then Daniel joined me there as well. So we we spent the last three years together. So you graduated, the two of you, and then then what? Then what? Uh, so quick, maybe I'll, I'll just touch on a few points. But I think I've lived in like forty different households. I, I remember counting up all my jobs, and it was like sixty. I mean, that's including you know the summer work for the Kralis pool in middle school with with Chris and Daniel but still uh and I got the nickname from Daniel and Chris and Matt of odd jobs people anyway for a long time that was it was just odd jobs but I started teaching Jessica you and I had the chance to spend the summer of 1996 together in Fort Worth Texas that was awesome and that was right after two years of teaching with Teach for America teaching math and science and yeah super positive experiences young people um, doing Summer Bridge, Fort Worth. So thanks for that opportunity. Um, Daniel and I actually did that together and drove over 
uh, to Fort Worth in the heat wave, and we were committed to no um, absolute minimal electrical usage. So we turned off our hot, well, really what we just said was we are not gonna have air conditioning. And it was 110 degrees in Fort Worth and it was physiologically stressful, but um, it was a really cool experience. It was nuts. It was we nuts. We were living but on a second, wasn't it a second floor apartment? Too? Yeah. So yeah. it was, it was heat rising. Heat no rising. electricity. You didn't even have the water heater uh, turned on. So, so, so really it just all started with no air conditioning. And then from that, we were, we were uh, responsive to our environment. So we, we rearranged our bedroom such that our beds were right under the ceiling fan. We turned off the hot water heater because that was generating residual heat. And, but what happened was that became a heat sink it was probably 85 degrees in there, maybe even 90 degrees. Have you ever had a shower when it's really hot out and it's 85, 90? It's refreshing. It was a glorious shower. Um, we took our oven. <laughs> we took our oven. We, we might have caused some problems for you, Jessica. I, I never thought about this, but because it was your relationship that made this apartment available. So hopefully we didn't screw things up for you, but we took the oven and put it outside on the porch because there was a pilot light and that was providing heat. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't recall that part. Okay, good. Um, maybe the landlord was very happy because the utilities were included. Okay. And right, cheap a bundle. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> anyway, let's see if I can flash forward in like 30 seconds through the rest of my life. Um, from Fort Worth to <laughs> Kenya. Let's pick a few reflection points. Reflection yeah. points, sure. Kenya, Jessica was a volunteer with the Mennonite Central Committee and said, hey, Peter, will you come over? So I said, all right, I'll come over. And so I spent a year in uh, Nairobi, Kenya. And the last three months of that, Daniel Amazing. came over. I had this, I, I, the word crazy came to mind, but she was awesome. This fantastic boss um, who I, I basically said, hey, can I share my job with my brother? So he and I would work full time for a week. And then we'd go travel for a week. I don't know why she let us do that, but it was pretty cool. She was a foreshadowing of just a, a good flexible supervisor. Speaking of supervisors, um, I've learned that, you know, great supervisors make for great working relationships. And Jessica, you were a great supervisor back in 1996. That woman, Ruth Thomas, was great. And um, about 11 years ago, I moved back to Missoula. I had lived here in the mid-90s and uh, just kind of stumbled my way into a great supervisor who's the president of our company. And we have a ton of fun. Um, I get to toss the football with my supervisor. I don't usually use the word <laughs> supervisor, but... Um, yeah, so that, that's been a, a good trajectory there. And there, there's a lot of other things in between, but those are a few reflection points. So I'm, I'm wondering about the odd jobs, Pete, and <laughs> what, you, what you learned about yourself from that part of your life and how, how that led to your current work, which you've been in, in a sustained way for many years now. Yeah. Prior to this job, the longest job I'd ever had was probably five years 
And other than that was mm -hmm. the longest ever was two years. And I've had jobs as short as probably two days. But um, I think I have come to recognize, yeah, a sense of being a generalist and certainly have come to embrace um, my weaknesses and just and be okay with that. And I think for a long time, I thought like I should be able to do everything. And, and uh, so there's been a tremendous amount of freedom that has come from just letting go of the things that I don't do that well and generally complimenting myself with somebody that does. So I'll give an example of uh, what I'm working on right now. Um, we help do engineering projects for federal government. And so I'll be flying down to Denver on Monday to uh, prepare a team to interview with Federal Highway Administration for this five-year contract. And I actually kind of stumbled into this role about 10 years ago, and then I've continued to do it. But I, I am the interview coach, and um, I get our team ready to, and engineers are not known for their necessarily articulateness or expressiveness mm -hmm. or, yeah, ability, ability to, to communicate highly effectively. And so, um, but it's about coaching them and uh, helping the passion to come through, helping the them to connect, like what is important for this client. And it's not like, hey, do, Eric, do you have the right specifications and the right cross slopes and the right subgrade and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, mm. are you going to make sure that they're not getting sued, that they deliver projects within budget, that they don't screw over the, the partners they're working, et cetera, of all things. All right, we might have to just we might have to cut this one out later. I don't know, but um, <laughs> our current mayor in Missoula, she was just elected uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I've known her a little bit for several years, but I really didn't know her. I took her out for coffee about six months ago because I was shopping around for a good candidate, and uh, really liked her. And in the middle of that, we had a coffee for like an hour, and I just said, you know, something that I do at work is I help people tell our story and essentially i'm a and it's a very it's a fraction of what i do but it's like an interview or a debate prep coach or next thing i knew i was helping her prepare for her first debate and uh i said you know andrea i don't know if this is going to be useful or not but let's try it so of all things i was somehow able to parlay that work or, or experience to a mayoral campaign um but I'll also tie it back to, to teaching. Like teaching was hugely foundationally helpful. And I know all three of us have a history in teaching and education, but being able to like, you know, I think of Louis Baca, who was not a good math student and Jerrica Phillips, who was amazing. And it's like, and I'm teaching both of these kids and all the time it's, as you guys probably know, right? You gotta be aware of, well, what's his experience and what's her experience and what, and just because I'm saying mm -hmm. something it's really about, are they, what is their experience? Um, so mm -hmm. I've, I found that teaching experience hugely helpful from doing today. Well, it's interesting because the work that I do uh, and the company that I um, am the executive director of is called Leadership and Design. And actually we really do ground a lot of our work in a human-centered design methodology, right? So a lot of our work is actually trying to help people to uncover people's stories, right? And that, and from those stories, you're trying to extract what the needs are that someone has, whether it's an organizational need or a, um, a, uh, 
a group of school leaders who are trying to work together. So a lot of the work we do is about kind of identifying needs or if we're creating a new schedule for a school or if we, we're creating, um, helping them to, to imagine like a portrait of a graduate or something like that, what we're really trying to do first is collect a lot of stories. And so, I mean, to me, that's like human-centered design is probably very core to what engineers should be doing at some level and maybe not all do it as well as you do. But I'm curious, is there anything that you would say as part of your methodology? Like when you were helping this woman plan her, you know, prepare for the debate, what are some of the core things that you are actually teaching her or getting her to think about? A methodology in general is the importance of play. And I actually uh, kind of claimed this mm as part of my identity and maybe one of my gifts and it's it's the power of play and and i kind of in these workshops um just insist on um that importance and i say play but it's it's uh probably a a term that captures creativity captures vulnerability passion um risk taking um and maybe really the the purpose of play is that it it invites those other things or it creates the environment for that to be possible. So yesterday mm -hmm. um, I led this, it was about a 20 person workshop. It was, a, um, it's a, it's called a design build team. So it's a bunch of engineers and environmental scientists and contractors, pavement contractor, concrete contractor, dirt contractor, et cetera, gathered. And I was going over the agenda earlier this week with Donnie, who's kind of the person in charge of this project for our company. And I, I, I threw up there, I said, introductions. That was the first thing. And it said, name, role, superpower. And he's like, Peter, Peter, please, please, please. Let's not, let's just skip the superpower. We got a ton of work to do. And I said, Donnie, I hear where you're coming from, um, but I've never had this fail. And here's why I think it's super important. It, it sets the tone that we're gonna be creative. We're gonna be taking risks. We're gonna have some fun. It brings the energy, the vitality, um, it centers people in a place that can be fun. And guess what? It was really fun. Um, Cody Salo, who's this engineer I've worked with, I, I don't know he has this creative side, but I, I asked the question, what was your superpower? And really I was anticipating more of a serious response. It's like, what's, what's your core strength? It's like, I'm a master scheduler or something like that. Or I understand man, um, pavement design, but Cody's like, I've got a hundred fingers because I've got my fingers in everything. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's his superpower. And yeah, anyway, just people were laughing, you know, within the first 10 minutes. Um, right. so if uh, that, that can, can we, maybe you, you can help me turn that into a methodology. There's, there's all sorts of really fancy scientists who would completely back you up on that, Peter. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you watch children, they are very serious about their play too. You know, they're in a set they're in a state of flow and um, kids are always playing games. And some of those games are finite games in which there's a winner and a loser. And a lot of them are infinite games that are just, how do we keep this going? Yeah. You know, and so play is, I think a, a really critical part of any creative endeavor, but also really important to just groups and group life and sustaining relationships and um, building relationships. If you ever watch kids, that's how they build relationships is through play. 
you and your you and your coraleños were a very playful group, right? And I think it's one of the reasons why you had such deep friendships with um, with them is that you were always engaging in play, whether that was like throwing a football or building a Kella Traveler. <laughs> yeah. I'm really enjoying this conversation. <laughs> Can you tell us how you ended up in Missoula in the first place? Like you said, you lived there at the beginning. You have returned back. Yeah. Can you fill in some of those gaps for sure. us? I mean, what brought you to Montana in the first yeah. place? So as I mentioned, Jessica was from Missoula, Montana. And I, maybe I didn't mention that. Jessica's from Missoula, Montana. No, I don't so I'd so. never heard of Missoula before I got to Swarthmore. I was probably, <laughs> we had those Facebooks, whatever. We called it the Signet. You guys probably had the same thing at your schools, yeah. right? The picture yeah. book of all the students. And so, of course, we're looking through it. And she was cute. And and this, I remember, like, Jessica Walker, Hellgate High School. Who has a Hellgate? That's weird. And then Missoula, Montana. Hellgate High School? Hellgate. Yeah. I think there was a, a vicious oh. battle with the um, settlers and Indians and and uh, massacre and and actually might have been two tribes against one another. But at any rate, lots of dead bodies at the at the, at the canyon adjacent to Missoula, which is so Hellgate Canyon, Hellgate High School. I digress. Um, Missoula. So I, after Teach for America, I'd been living in North Carolina. Jessica had been living in uh, Germany. We said, you know, it'd be nice to live in one of our homes. So it was either Albuquerque area or um, Missoula. We, I think her grandmother passed away. There were some family reasons that pointed us there. So we went there in 95, spent about two years there. And in the middle of that, I joined uh, Jessica for the summer. Um, then we went on our merry way, uh, which included Albuquerque, Austin, Portland, Qatar, and then there was, so now we we'll flash forward to 2011, 2012, and there was a medical crisis for her father. So um, she was living in, she was actually in Spain at the time. It's, we were separated, emotionally separated and physically separated at this point, but she um, kind of in within 24 hours just moved back to Missoula uh, to be with a dad who was on the brink of dying. Uh, her dad lived another five years. Anyway, that was kind of just what it was like. Okay, that it was just the natural thing to do. Our family needs us. That's where my kids are. I um, came back to Missoula, so that was like May of 2012. I had essentially been fired from my job, and so I lost my job. It was a disaster. It certainly interconnected with the. Um, separation in her marriage and um for tax reasons there was it was probably a thirty five thousand um, dollar benefit to stay out of the country another 90 days and it has to do with foreign income tax exclusions and nothing illegal about it it sounded a little shady i had my job interview actually in may when i was here and visiting in missoula they're like when can you start and i said probably the end of august um i've got to go and i had to explain why i had to go to canada for the next 90 days and um, and as I was driving up to Canada, I thought, this is crazy, like $35,000. Yeah, that was a huge number at that time for us, right? And, but I'm like, it's not worth missing a summer with my kids. 
Um, and I, I called my wife and um, just suggested, you know what, I think I should stay. And uh, she's like, I, I think you should go. <laughs> so, so my kids ended up, they probably spent four or six weeks with me camping out up in Canada. It was pretty awesome living out of the camper trailer. Um, I did go and visit a brother at that time in the Netherlands and just to give a shout out to family. Um, you mentioned family at the beginning, Jessica. Yeah, big family, but actually one that really enjoys hanging out with each other. And um, mm -hmm. I called Tom. I said, hey, Tom, it's be a good time to visit. And he said, you know, actually, it's not a great time. You know, Amelia's graduating and this is happening and this is happening. But on the other hand, if you need to come, you're always welcome. And I said, Tom, I think I need to come. Like, I was just kind of emotionally hollow, wreck, falling apart. And so I went there and I spent a month there with them, which was fantastic. Healing, stabilizing. Uh, I don't even know what question somebody asked me, but how about you remind me what question you asked me and I'll, I'll, I'll we, we were just asking how you ended up in Missoula. But actually, can I ask a question? It yeah. sounds like that was a really hard time in your life. You were a little bit um, nomadic. You were missing your family. You were trying to make some decisions about your marriage and your relationship with your wife and um, professionally a little see. What do you think, what helped you to kind of get back on track? And what did you learn about yourself during that that period of time? Yeah, no, I, I definitely concur that that was that was a low point, bottom point of of my life. Um, I when I started my job, I was living I was living out of my camper, uh, a pop up camper. Uh, I basically almost felt homeless. Um, I would I my first day of work, I drive into the YMCA. I took a shower, I shaved, I walked to work. I just felt like a fraud. Uh, didn't want to say that I was separated. So I just had this illusion of being a happily married couple. She came to the holiday party for Christmas, acted like my wife. I mean, she was my wife, but, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know what? I walked into the rooms of Al-Anon, uh, the 12 step program for friends and families of alcoholics. And I, I'd actually dabbled in that program for maybe four or five years before that. Um, but I was desperate enough to just do it in a different way. And I saw that people that got involved, like fully involved in something, you know, civic activity or whatever, it's like those those seem to be the people that were doing pretty well. And so I just got involved in a different way. I um, raised my hand. They were looking for a treasure. And uh, I said, you know, I know no, none of you know me, but I um, I want to be of service. And, and so... Um, I did that. Uh, I got a sponsor. I just, I, I surrendered and I was no longer just like trying to do it on my own and figure it out and work harder. And it's just like, I don't know how to do this. I don't, this thing called life Help me out here. And I um, actually had my, what's called a birthday talk at Allen on last night um, where in that particular meeting, once a year, people just share their story. So I could have just recorded it. It was about 15 minutes long and given it to you guys and We'd be good to go. Mm -hmm. But that, you know, if I had to really trace uh, a pivotal change from that point of desperation to where I am today, that, that's probably a huge part of it. 
It's amazing. One of the things that's been really wonderful about these podcasts is that people have been willing to share some of those really difficult times in their life. And some people are still having really difficult times in their life. I really have appreciated when I've been struggling, being able to talk to other people about it. And it's given me, it's relieved me of the shame that I've felt about the struggle. And it's brought me closer to the people in my life. You worry it's going to drive people away and actually it brings people closer. So one of my, one of my favorite songs one of my favorite songs is a song by Train, and they sing it with a, a woman. I, I'm trying to remember her name, Ashley something or another. It's called Bruises, but one of the lines is, these bruises make for better conversation. And it's really about, you know, this idea that we've had these journeys and we are actually more interesting, whole, authentic people because of the parts of our lives that maybe haven't always gone so so well. <laughs> whether it's a lost job or a, you know, broken relationship or whatever it is. So. I was just going to say, I was at this, um, it was an Al-Anon slash AA retreat. So a bunch of guys at the, in the cabin in the woods, basically for the weekend. And I was sitting across from this guy who uh, proceeded to just tell me in a way that wasn't pitying. It wasn't boasting. It was just, sharing about a horrific childhood it's just a wild story um but it was like holy shit this dude can just own his life and in a way that wasn't it was um it, it was very inspiring and i think that for me it was to both embrace like hey the, the challenges but also the gifts like i think i was um I know I had a very privileged and, and in some ways unusual, like us just going to the academy. That's not most people's experience. Um, and it's, I get to own that too. I get to own the fact that my parents are still married. They're celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary that uh, I could call any one of my siblings and say, I need you here tomorrow and they'd be here. Um, and that's, so it's, it's good, bad. Um, and I think, I used to actually have a fair amount of loneliness, like, and at a time when, and it wasn't about aloneness in the sense that I, I've been pretty extroverted and connected and interacting with people, but I was lonely. And I think that loneliness came from an inability to just own my story and share that story and invite others to do the same. So you guys are given a real gift to our community by inviting this storytelling. So thank you. You guys have been great um, connectors, culture builders for our uh, for our class for however many years you said, Jessica, 35 or no, like 40, 42, whatever it is. Since these eighth grade creatures came into our school. Yeah, I know. We were like these girls that came in it was and weird. ruined that. Really weird. That wonderful ruined boy it. culture in the come middle on. school. Thank God. Yes, come on. Disrupted, disrupted. disrupted. How about that? Yeah, with no judgment <laughs> to the term. Dis disrupted. Right, 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 right. Well, thank you for sharing that piece of the journey. I'm wondering, before we move on to what life is like today and what you're seeing for the future, 
what have been the big joys for you over the last few years? I think uh, there's certainly lots of joys and big joys and probably trying to just tap into something that really mm, that captures that. Like I, if I, if I pick this joy that was just, eh, it's not going to convey the sense of the frankly incredible <laughs> joy that experience. You know, one joy was I organized um, a family reunion, essentially my parents and all their offspring, their spouses, their grandchildren. So there are about 24 of us. And um, I was, I was the cruise director and I don't know if that was self-appointed or, <laughs> or other people gave me that name, but that's essentially the, the function that I served. And, um, and I've since I've done probably three of them now and, and uh, I'm getting better at bringing other people into that process. And the most recent one was um, summer of 22 at a fantastic spot in Valdez. You guys know where Valdez is? Um, it's essentially as you're driving from Taos to Taos Ski Valley, it's right at the base there. Okay. Little valley okay. there. Um, yeah. And Jessica, you guys had a place up there, didn't you? Condo In or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's that really steep, crazy thing off to your left as you're about to enter the. Right. Ski sure. Okay. Um, so down in there, um, eight bedroom house or something that accommodated our family of 24. Um, but I remember after that week, I was, I was pretty depressed, like getting back to work. And, and so I think frankly, that, that contrast reminds me how absolutely joyful that was to mm, really connect in a deep way with, with my family and Fiji, different generations. And we had, there was enough structure, like I mean, there were discussion groups and there were massage parties and uh, just different people would kind of take <laughs> on something. And, and the massage party actually was, it, it was spa night and there were sliced cup cucumbers and there were mud baths and there were, I mean, just like, <laughs> ah, it was joyful. Um, yesterday or a few days ago, I, I told you I was in New Mexico at David's house and he had some book and called tribes and I'd like to read it. Um, I just read the the cover, but I think really talking about, I'm guessing um, that we are tribal people, which is about um, mm -hmm. being connected mm -hmm. with our family and our clan and our tribe and and uh, and how I think part of what makes college experience fantastic is just that that togetherness, that dorm experience. Mm -hmm. the, um, and it's not like we have to let that go, uh, but that was. You had two pieces, like what was joyful and how did it change me? Um, can't say that that changed me other than, well, for one is embracing, you know what? I love hanging out with my family. That's awesome. I um, probably, so Daniel and I celebrated our hundredth birthday party on uh, May 9th, uh, <laughs> 2021. And we, yes. Daniel was fantastic in terms of reaching out to some childhood friends that hadn't seen him. 40 plus years and invited them. And it included their identical twins that were our best friends in like fourth grade, actually fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. And then um, I think just us going to different schools in sixth grade, we just started to take part. I hadn't seen them since high school, but it turns out they talk to each other every day, sometimes multiple times a day. And I was like, why wouldn't I do that? And uh, so Daniel and I have talked nearly every day for the last, um, two and a half years. And 
he'll, he'll hear this and he'll fact check me. He'll say, Peter, no, it's probably average of, you know, three times a week, but there's times where we're sustaining daily calls and it's, it's super fun. Um, so maybe that, like that's, oh, COVID changed me too. I, um, I always felt this sense of discontent. Like my family wasn't enough. My wife wasn't enough. My, you know, my community of friends wasn't enough. And during that time, I don't know if you guys had COVID where you live, but here in Montana, we had COVID <laughs> and there was this lockdown period. And yeah, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> um, and I just really enjoyed hanging out with my family. And in part, because it, I gave, it was, I, I didn't have a choice and it, um, it, it got rid of that sense of discontent. And so today it's like, um, I, I'm, um, like I have enough, I have enough in terms of like social connection. And, and that's not to say that like, it's still a daily effort to like, like to connect. And it could be to the stranger. It could be to coworker. It could be to, um, I had this cool experience the other day. I, it was about two weeks ago. My wife's out of town. Kids have flown the coop. I was like, man, I could just kind of curl up for the weekend or I, I can connect. And so I ended up connecting with two um, lesbian women in their 60s who I just enjoy hanging out with them. And and one of them, I, I work with some. Uh, and I, the other, her wife, I'd met like twice. It was like, Kim and Maureen, they're just cool to hang out with. So I, I just said, hey, I, I knew they were going to the football game the next day. I, I had met Kim at this particular restaurant on the Saturday morning before the football game. I thought, which it happens to be a block from where I live. I said, any chance you guys are going to be there? And if so, would you be up for some company? And they're like, yeah. And so I uh, ended up spending, yeah, breakfast with them. Ended up sitting with them at the football game. So it was it was connection that was, I wouldn't have done that like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that connection is really what feeds all of us at the end of the day and makes our lives worth living. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think one of the hardest things is it's very hard to connect with other people if you don't feel connected to yourself in some way. And I think that becomes a, a, a journey, right? Or there's shame that you're high. You know, I, one of the benefits for me of being 50 plus now is like maybe not, maybe being able to, to be more connected to self and therefore having deeper connections with friends, family, spouse, kids, you know. Yep. You gotta live a little. <laughs> and the more you can accept yourself for who you are and forgive yourself for what you're not, the easier I think it is to appreciate what other people are like. So I wonder if it's easier to make those connections in a town of Missoula versus in Austin or Los Gatos. Not that I'm making, I, I sound like I'm making excuses and maybe I am, but um, it seems like, you know, walking down the street to go to breakfast and then are you going to the game? I guess we could do that here too. I'm, I'm, in, I'm curious about whether I could pull this off. I might give it a try, Peter. <laughs> The impromptuness is the thing that you're talking about that I'm that I'm wondering 
would that work for me? I feel like I'm so scheduled. Um, leaving space for those kind of spontaneous connections. Mm-hmm. That sounds like something I would enjoy. So like this weekend coming up, is it already pretty scheduled for you? Yes. Like, you know what you're doing this weekend? Yes. And there's not really room? Because I was going to be in Austin. I was wondering if you're available. Really? Um, maybe to go swim at Barton Springs or something. Oh, God. No. I'm not getting in the water at Barton Springs. It's like 69 <laughs> degrees. No way. But if you want to get together for a coffee or something, totally. Sunday, I'm <laughs> I'll tell you what. The truth is, it's scheduled. But if you were coming to town, I would move things. You'd be scheduled. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. Uh, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, Carla, I didn't know you lived in, and I don't even know what to call it now, because my, my aunt and uncle are from there. Las Gatas, right? Or Los Las Gatas. Gatas. Las yeah, Gatas. Las Gatas. Los Gatos. I, was, I was just yeah. there. So George is going to Stanford. And so I was uh, <laughs> at, at visiting where we took her out there last year, and I was in Las Gatas and uh, didn't know you were there. I cannot believe you were there. I'm so upset to hear that. Next time you're here, you have to, we have to get together. I will take you out in, in the in the cats. Sounds good. <laughs> Does that mean like you go walking with cats or what? We can. We I, I have some I have some stories of mountain lions in my front yard and bobcats, but no, I'm I can go for a long walk with you or a little hike or whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, yeah, where do they live in I Los Gatos? I'm curious. Do they live oh, by I the high idea. school? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> what year know, is Georgia one in of school? Them, what sophomore? Yeah, they live outside of town now. Okay. Georgia's okay, sophomore. Cool. Yep. So what do you do in your day-to-day life that's just for fun? What's just like your get-to-do stuff day-to-day? Um, so I, I love, I love playing basketball, actually. I love playing sports Pick up. still. Volleyball. Yeah. So right after this call, I'm going to head over to the YMCA for, um, for noon ball. <laughs> um, I actually really enjoy crossword puzzles, just like those types of games. And I asked for a crossword puzzle book for my birthday a couple years ago. And yeah, it was just like, you know what? A lot of people like they love going hunting and they love going skiing. I'm enjoying my crossword puzzles. Hey, Peter, I just did a full year of the New York Times. I just did a full year of the New York Times crossword puzzle. Perfect, epic streak, 365 days. And when Owen Travis was living with us for the summer, we had a good time um, doing some crosswording together. So does that mean that you, every time it came out, you did it and you successfully completed it? Yes. And how much level of cheating within... is there? There's got to be some level of cheating. Well, there's there? a, there, I, I some like Googling or some. Yes, definitely. Some research. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, but so, I didn't look up the answer uh, and, per se, but I would look up things right, that right, would right. help me. Right. Yeah. Like what is the currency in Kenya? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Love it. And uh, <laughs> Owen had already done his internship, right? With Will Shorts? Yes. I'm guessing yes. by that time? Yes. That's cool. Yes. Um, <laughs> and probably the different generations was probably very helpful. Were you doing them with him? 
Or, Sometimes we would do it, okay. you know, side by side. Yeah. But it was also your own street. Yeah, we would say, did you get this? Did you get this? Yeah. That's cool. You know, I, I did a lot of crossword puzzles with my mom when I was home. That was fun. She's pretty into them. Daniel's, Daniel enjoys them. I was also going to say I, I did jump in the bath three times within the last two weeks, which is pretty unusual behavior, but it was like, oh, let's just chill out. And I, I read a book uh, and I, that's how I made progress. Book. No, I awesome. love it. That's awesome. What's next for you? What's coming up that you're excited about? What's in the, in the cards for you in the next couple of years? Or six months, or however far you can plan. Ken Pasternak said he doesn't plan beyond six months, so that's fine too. Well, I'd be remiss not to say something I've got to focus on, and that's uh, my wife and I bought an eleven-acre RV park, basically. Uh, that's twenty miles outside of Missoula. We bought it uh, last hmm. month, and and today is December first. So I got to say, two months ago, bought it in October, and um, the idea is to create a tiny home or tiny house village, and so that's going to be somewhere between about 14 and 24 tiny houses, 10 acre site. Um, there may be a restaurant. Um, so we are, it's a, it's a fun project. It's created in a different housing. So I think we're going to move out there. We're going to live in, move in a tiny, tiny house and see how that goes. Mm -hmm. um, and be part of creating this tiny house village. That's awesome. That is so cool. That's exciting. Are you are you thinking that you will have prefab tiny houses and you will you will build you will build them and then people will come or people buy the land and they decide what kind of tiny house they're gonna put on it? I've seen both actually being developed outside of Austin, and I'm curious what your vision for it and how much do you know how many communal, you know, are there communal amenities? How, is this a, a group decision thing of we need a basketball court or a, a spa? I think it's going to be, it's hard for my wife and me to make decisions together, much less bringing in <laughs> other people. So initially, I think it's largely going to be us just creating something, implementing it, and then we would certainly be open to the community taking it over maybe buying it whatever but initially no let's limit the number of decision makers well well is there anything else though that you feel like is important about what's going on in your life right now that you want that you want to record something just flashed in front of me and that was you know two weeks ago i was at this alanon meeting and afterwards just um, I, I had asked Jim ahead of time, Jim, you want to go out to lunch or breakfast afterwards? And then this, and he's 72. There's um, this, these other two women. One was probably 25, one was 32. Anyway, the four of us end up having just a delightful breakfast together. And so I think that's the, maybe I'm just coming back to that theme of being in the middle, not like separating myself and and so that was just the diversity of that group was symbolic of maybe a chapter that's opening up here. Beautiful. That's awesome. Okay. I think we're ready to go back for our flash round. And we made a few changes. So if you've been listening, 
You may think you're prepared for this, but we're going to go through these. If you want to pass on a question, you can pass. Pass. If you... Um, <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, we'll just see how, where we go, but we'll try to do this kind of quickly. Cause I know you have basketball to play too. So, but before you, um, all right. Before you jump into the yeah. questions, Peter, can you provide a reflection on oh. how you remember yourself right. from high school? What were you like in your own mind? <laughs> I was... Gosh. Let me, let me say this. I, I, um, so my dad recently delivered me the eighth grade prize. I don't even know what it was called, but it was, it was, it was basically awarded to that student who's, you know, valued by his peers for loyalty, honor, character, and intelligence or something like that. And my dad found it. Um, they just, they moved within the last year and he, brought it up with him when he last visited Montana and I like took it and I actually threw it away and no and then well yes and here's why um unfortunately I did that because well probably more unfortunate is I told my dad that when he asked me about the award so he said what did you do with it he's like actually I think I lost it but here's why it's because it um I didn't know myself I didn't know people uh, when you asked me that question, like, how do you remember yourself? It's almost like through the eyes of others. I was nice. I was cute. I was whatever. Like, and, but like, I, I was so rudderless and, and maybe that's just the product of being a 13 year old or 14 year old, or 15 year old. So I'm not really saying that in a way that's, that's critical, but I think that whole award was, was bullshit uh, in terms of like, how well did, anybody I don't know it's just um so it didn't have any meaning for me mm -hmm. um interesting I, I off the boat uh, with my parents like I almost never you know I wasn't a party or I wasn't just kind of towed the line without ever it wasn't until college that I think I started to like say who am I like and why the f did I come to Swarthmore like it, it was um so I had a very, I think, a very joyful experience mostly, but it was also without a real clear sense of um, identity or purpose. Or, mm -hmm. And maybe that's okay. I mean, I'm not beating myself up about it. It's just. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You were still in formation. There wasn't a lot of strife. A lot of information. But in some ways, I think one doesn't really form without difficulty. And I just didn't have much difficulty. Right. Um, and I, I think a lot of people do And my difficulty. I saved for like my thirties and forties after I started having children and marital mm -hmm. conflict. And I'm like, man, I would much rather my kids have really tough experiences now because I think it's, it's, it's valuable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So All right. well, my life was too easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Well, and we're going to go on. Can I, let me, I, this is another story that might need to get vetoed. All right. <laughs> but so I, I'm in eighth grade. Um, have a crush on Marilee. Marilee <laughs> is like, I, we end up going around, but I'm just so shy and, and. Um, going and around. 
And so Marilyn and I, I think we were in the same art class or something and, uh, and there were some notes passed back and forth. Next thing I know, I'm going around with Marilyn. It basically meant that I would sneak to the back bedroom of my house with the phone and I, I, actually my parents' room, because I don't think we had cordless phones, but they, they had a phone where I could actually have a private conversation. So you talk to her and that was kind of exciting. And then, um, <laughs> but I was just not, uh, I was not meeting her needs or expectations. <laughs> Next thing I know, there's a party at Mike Feetz's house. Do you guys remember this? No, I did and not go, but I heard about it. <laughs> Mike Feetz and Marilee end up in the closet together. And the next day, um, there was, I also had a, a crush on Laura Kate. And somebody called me, and it was a friend of Laura's. And she's like, Laura's interested in you. What do you think? And I was just such a douche that, you know, like, Marilee, screw you. You just went in the closet with Michael. That's over. Like, but there wasn't, I just like tried to, I was like, oh, I'm interested in both of them. And um, yeah, so. What a player. I know. It, it wasn't a player so much as it was like unwilling just to just kidding. take a hard stance. Yeah. You, you were trying to please everybody. You weren't aware, you weren't in touch with what you actually wanted. And instead, you were kind of waiting for opportunities to come to you and hoping that somehow it would work out. And even if I was in touch with what I wanted, it was I wasn't willing to take a stand or express them clearly. Did you yeah. and Daniel have conversations about this stuff? I mean, here you had someone who was your best friend and still probably your one of your closest, maybe your closest friend, and you lived with them and you shared the same, a lot of the same genetic makeup and all that stuff but what did you guys talk about this kind of stuff like what do i do with this Marilee or laura <laughs> um surprisingly little um mm. there was yeah we talked about so little even today it's i mean it, we have so much fun together and like my parents would say so how's daniel doing and i not sure. Uh, I know he had a really fun conversation with me yesterday. So I have to go out of my way to just dive in a little deeper and check in. And whatnot. But mm -hmm. yeah, no, we, we didn't mm. communicate about that probably at all. And I think there was shame or embarrassment or something just mm -hmm. probably because of just a complete lack of um, conversation in our family about the, like, I never came to my parents and asked mm -hmm. them, them for advice or and hardly ever for my older siblings and, mm -hmm. and and there was also some like ridicule was certainly part of our family and i mm -hmm. i and that's probably why i was slinking off to the back bedroom mm -hmm. to talk yeah 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 all right mm -hmm. what okay, else well, you, you actually asked our you answered our first question which well maybe maybe we should give you one more opportunity because that was be really another opportunity but we want to know who was your high school crush? Did you have someone that you pined for in high school? Um, <laughs> oof, uh, pined for. Um, <laughs> or had a little, little, little bit of a, you know, a crush on that maybe was maybe not ever fully expressed. Pretty quiet, right? Because <laughs> I did. Quieted. I dated Kyle, and I dated Dara, and I dated Aaron, but probably the other one. I don't know if I've ever told anyone this. You guys should get into it. Um, including the Corralenos. Um, 
Stephanie Miles. Aww. And um, I was I was at her I was at her house one time. I think it was our senior year, and it was just me and her. And even, like circumstantial, like I don't know what's what what brought me there. It wasn't that I was. Um, it was almost like maybe I'm delivering the t-shirts and it happens to be at her house or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I remember wanting to cross a line with her. Yeah. And uh, she's crushable. She she did not. I think she was <laughs> I think probably still with Mark at that time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But that, that's the best one I got for you there. That's a good one. That's good. Oh, I had another one too. But like <laughs> she was just so out of my league. Do you guys remember uh, Liz Knox? I think she was two oh, years yeah, older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I had a crush on Liz Knox. Yeah. Say it again. She was pretty cool. She was you like, had, a crush, had a crush on Liz Knox. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but she was like so cool that I was, and cool. I remember I, I was sitting to Mr. Seymour's Spanish test, and she's like taking her pencil. And back then I had a lot of hair, and she's like curling it and playing with me. And she just toyed with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She had no interest in me. <laughs> <laughs> Second question. Okay. You ready? Okay. In the back of the yearbook, in the senior well, it says Daniel leaves impersonating Peter. Peter leaves to find Dan. Will you please share a story? Did it actually happen? Did it work? So many. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I, I've got so many stories. How about one that, how about one that didn't work? Uh, well, it actually worked. So Daniel ran for city council six years ago in, in his town of Waltham, Massachusetts. And so I went out there and I was campaigning with him and we were going along and we were kind of going door to door together and, and um, introducing him. And then we decided to split sides of the street. And so he's, he's um, introduced himself and I'm, I'm introducing my brother. And I'm like, this is just complicated. Let's just, I'm going to introduce myself. So I said, hi, I'm Daniel Kelleher. I'm running for city council. Um, and uh, this one guy, and so, you know, and I, I, I was just act, I was just impersonating Daniel. And I thought this is really efficient. And then uh, there was this guy who said that he works for the Massachusetts department of transportation. And I said, oh, I'm an engineer. And, uh, <laughs> and then the conversation continues. And to myself, I'm like, oh shit, I, I'm not an issue. Okay. <laughs> Fortunately, he didn't hear that. And then a few minutes later, he he circles back to me. He said, So you're an engineer. What kind of an engineer? And I said, actually, I um I uh <laughs> I said, Well, I'm not an engineer, but I I uh I studied engineering in, in college. And uh, I don't know, something dumb. And I just thought, okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be impersonating him anymore. That didn't work. <laughs> That's awesome. It's good to know you can keep doing it years later. So one more, yeah. one more back in April of 2023. So six months ago, I was um, spending some time over in Israel. I was flying back. My plane got rerouted to Austin and I didn't tell my brother. I'd actually been there two weeks before he was in a new house. I knew his house. Um, but uh, it turns out my parents were visiting in town. So I um, didn't tell anyone. We caught an Uber. It's like 9.30 at night. I go to his house. I um, just walk in the back door. 
I walked right upstairs um, and I one by one went into the bedrooms of each of his children. I started with Hannah and uh, she's like, <laughs> uh, she's just <laughs> mind blown that I was there. Um, at any rate, I got Hannah so she could film every other interaction. So then I visit the other three children and then um, I, I went into Daniel's closet. I put on uh, some of his clothes. Then I went down to the room where my parents were. And I walk in and I'm holding Hannah and Connor on my lap. And uh, I didn't look at right at my parents, um, but I I sat next to them singing songs for a couple of minutes, um, just being really goofy. And they, you know, and then finally I said, hey, mom and dad, where's Daniel? And they're like, oh my gosh, Peter, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, so it's, and they clearly know Peter from Daniel, but like, yeah. if you catch him that off guard, we continue to impersonate. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that at least once in English class, one of you were there and it was, should have been Daniel or Daniel was there. It should have been you. <laughs> I love that. Oh, okay. We're going to, we're going to move on. What 1980s fad, trend, or film, or anything were you really into in high school? Like, what was your, like, go-to fad, trend? Was it Dungeons and Dragons? Was it John Hughes movies? Was it a specific kind of look or thing? No. Nothing. No. I think I was just doing my own thing. You mentioned <laughs> the Teletraveler and just making up games. We had games, Corbata and Cortina, and, um, and just doing sports and going out at night, we'd, we'd make movies um, around Corrales. We'd, but it was just, yeah, there just wasn't much of a fad. And when it came to pop music or something, like I hear those songs, like, man, it takes me back to middle school dances or high school dances. And it was just kind of depressing. <laughs> I, I think there was this sense of, and more it was probably just taking me back to what I felt like then, mm -hmm. which yeah. was around that pop culture. I just, I was out of my league. So nothing. You got nothing for You're me. Timeless. What car did you drive in high school and how did it meet its demise? Um, the probably the primary one was the Suburban. So uh, 1976 Suburban. That's mostly what Daniel and I drove. And um, it met its demise just few years later from just over overwork no 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 great story there and one day my parents just got rid of it hmm. yeah oh my gosh so this story um so two friends of mine organized this scavenger hunt uh summer <laughs> after freshman year for Albuquerque Academy their names are Jessica and Carla and um a couple weeks later my mom Irish Catholic actually not Irish Catholic, but Catholic, devout, <laughs> certainly a big proponent of chastity. Thou shall not have sex until you're married. And thou won't talk about sex ever. Um, walked into our bedroom one night and she's holding a used common and she's starting to cry. And she says, Daniel, Peter, whose is this? And uh, we just started to laugh. Do you guys have any idea what this might oh, be? Yeah. Yes, I think it was a condom filled with formaldehyde. Yes. 
Yes. So we'd put it in the glove compartment and we'd forgotten about it. Oh my God. Oh, I'm sorry. We didn't mean to get you into any trouble. We've heard some really bad things about what transpired during the scavenger hunt. We're just glad everyone's alive. No one's been disowned by their parents. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Oh, God. That, so me- That could be another <laughs> question you could ask, add to your list. Just <laughs> yeah. give us a recollection, a story from the scavenger hunt. <laughs> and uh, an idea for the next one. Yeah. For the 35th anniversary scavenger hunt. We're thinking about it. Yeah, I bet we'll be a lot safer. I think we're thinking about it. Yeah, sounds good. So maybe this is irrelevant, this question, which is, is there a song or a band that would be on the soundtrack for your high school experience? And if there is, awesome. If not, and we don't want to make you sad and think about high school dances. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, B gave me a mixtape. Aaron Keck gave me a mixtape. And so those got played over and over. And um, those probably came from an era <clears throat> being a couple years earlier. It's just less positive. I think as I grew through high school, it became more and more uh, positive. So Aaron's included Dire Straits, for example, just songs that I feel like, man, those are those are good, good Great songs. Song. I don't know yeah. what else was on there. But when I hear them, it's often like, oh, that's from that mixed in. <laughs> yeah, I love it. listen to that what high school teacher had the greatest influence on you i thought like dave glidden was probably the one that i maybe sort of connected with most but there wasn't much of a connection Mm. and that was more about me right not about him um we had some teacher in i think junior year that was maybe maybe it was him he I don't think he was there that long. He was bald. He would, I don't know if you guys remember the story, but he would like maybe work for the scholastic test. And one of his jobs was to take the test. And if he didn't get a 1600, that there was something wrong with the test. You guys remember this? No. No. Who was this? Um, he, he was like the first teacher that just rose the bar for me because I just didn't do jack shit in terms of homework and stuff, unless it was enjoyable. And if there was a paper from Francis Robertson or something, it was like, 
you know, I probably out of anxiety, but write something the night before. It was like, we were doing our homework on the way to school, but he was like, Peter, you're better than this. And it's like, see, I'm like, see, see. And, uh, but he just, uh, I actually remember staying up late for me, which was like past nine o'clock to, to do homework. Uh, for his class, and that was the only time I ever remember kind of pushing myself in that way. Okay, what artifact from your high school years would you put have put in a time capsule that really represented you in high school? This is going to sound really weird, but it's um, my body, and I, I say that and we absolutely need some explanation. But it's just from the perspective of like health mm. and playfulness mm -hmm. and um because I, I still feel like that's a huge part of me even though my body's not uh i'm not as young as i was and stuff but still like if that's that's a part of it because it, it very much is wrapped up in um just my physical expression mm -hmm. as a as a person yeah well, you were such so a with a lot of formaldehyde from the condo <laughs> You preserved your body, but you were such an athlete, swimmer, track and field. Um, you played tennis, you know, you did all sorts of things. So I can see that soccer. And I just, I loved it. And I, I loved it even more after I got out of high school. Like, so I played basketball freshman year, basically rode the bench. I got cut sophomore year. I, um, and, and then I stopped playing basically, except, um, and then when I graduated from college, I went down to North Carolina and I just started going to the, the Y and, and playing. I just loved it. And, and volleyball started playing in tournaments. And when, when it wasn't about a team or like we had a horrific um, soccer experience. I, I, I love soccer. I think I was pretty darn good. And I, I was on the JV team as a junior and, and was basically told by Bruce Moscow coming out next year. You're not a good huh. or something. I think I was, I was probably arrogant and whatnot, but, but still like that was, um, I loved it. I loved it, but I didn't love the high school experience of team yeah. sports. I love swimming. That was, but otherwise, yeah. So after college was just like, just playing, it's just about playing it. And to this day, it's just super fun. It's awesome. My, my birthday present from my, or I asked. My kids, they asked me what I wanted for Christmas like 10 years ago or something. I said, I want a highlight film of me playing basketball. <laughs> so they came down and ah, so they, they interviewed some people that it was just, it was just yeah. fun. Like these 10 year old sports broadcasters. <laughs> ah, good. Yeah. Cool My son game. loves pickup ball. He loves to play basketball and he didn't do, he was on the varsity team in high school, but he didn't, well, didn't get a lot of playing time was one of his really sadness, but he still goes out. He's in Prague right now. He's out playing basketball all the time. I think it's one of those sports that we think is going to end in high school, but actually is a really lifelong sport if you find a good pickup group. That's cool. Okay. Right. Um, a couple more questions. Uh, Peter, what do you regret from high school? If anything. If anything. <laughs> well, one answer is I don't regret anything because it's like Good, bad, it all it all shapes us, right? But um, I'm sure there was a time when I regretted something. Um, good at that. Okay, well, if you could go back 
to high school and tell your high school self something about the future, what would it be? Advice. Um, have more <laughs> sex was the first thing that came to mind. Oh, gosh. I worry about your mom. Poor Gretchen. <laughs> just hearing that. I'm going to make sure she doesn't get a hold of this yeah, tape. Yeah, <laughs> question. Do you mean have more sex in high school? I'm Say that again. Are, are you saying have more sex in school? Sure. In college? Sure. Or, or well, is this a message I, I to you now? Say, like, get busy here. It's, it's afternoon on a Friday. It's universal. It's, it's all the above. <laughs> okay, cool. It's just like certainly sexually repressed in high school. It was out of the question to have sex. Um, <laughs> I um I did not lose my virginity till uh like three years later, senior year in college. And it's just like why? I love this. Oh my god. So good. Wisdom. All right. This is the very last question. And then you know, I think this is a good one. Um I have no idea what's gonna come out of your mouth. Of course, I've been surprised and delighted throughout this whole conversation, but um what would be the title of your high school memoir? Uh, Oblivious. <laughs> there was a great song by Aztec Camera called Oblivious, too, no, by the way. That's right. <laughs> Oblivious. Yeah. Okay. You know, have you guys done Not this yet. one with Daniel? He's Not yet. We're going to get him. Or is he signed up? Or... Okay. So. I... Mm. One thing that I probably didn't realize for maybe 15 years after high school, 20 years, like Daniel and I had completely different childhoods, which or experience. Um, his his experience of, of, of childhood is not nearly as positive as mine. And so that was just like um, an example of the level of obliviousness that he could be having. And we shared a bedroom, we shared, we, they were always together. And yet I didn't even know. Right. So. It's amazing. Why would you, unless you asked and had yeah, that conversation, right? <laughs> you can't be in someone else's head. It was just, no, but you can learn to be not totally self-referential, mm -hmm. which is like I've learned later in life. Yeah, but yeah, to your point, but as the least, the first step is to recognize my experience is not the same as yours. And I'm not going to know what yours is in the sense, right. but without even recognizing, until you recognize that there's, a difference, then why would you even ask? Mm -hmm. Of course, you're going to have the same experience as I have, yeah. especially if you're my identical right. twin. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys, have you guys, so other than Daniel, have you interviewed all the identical twins in our class? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <Aaron>. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten the rest yeah, of actually, them. Yeah, actually, we're completely done with the identical okay. twins. <laughs> Jessica and Carla's High School Reunion is written, directed, and edited by Carla Silver and Jessica Slade. Our theme music, True Sight, is by Jared Matt Greenberg. Please subscribe and listen on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.